Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, you're all right. I'm here. Good morning, 1850 715 The number, the text to WhatsApp, 083 396 96 That email, opinion at 96fm.ie. This time last year, we were waiting. We were almost 100% certain that between now and midday, we would be crossing live to Washington, D.C., and the feeds were being put in place, and we were making sure we could take it live because we were certain that uh, Leo Varadkar, who was Taoiseach at the time, was going to address us from Washington, D.C. And indeed, it did happen. And we're going to mark that anniversary today throughout the morning, but also a remarkable story uh, coming up after 10 o'clock and the advice that one young listener was given by her mum. My mother taught me, like, we have to watch out for people following you and be on high alert for creepy men. That's what Holly told us her mum taught her. And it comes up in the wake of the Sarah Everard story in the UK. Uh, The streets of Cork are not safe for women. Simple, straightforward fact, as Holly's mum My mother taught me, like, we have to watch out for people following you and be on high alert for creepy men. Hear that after 10 o'clock. 1850 the number. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 Email is opinion at 96mm.ie. And also today, two opportunities to celebrate Mother's Day. The lads have been doing it on The Breakfast Show and we will continue to do it this morning with two opportunities for you to win a €100 Douglas Court voucher for your mum to show her some Mother's Day love with gifts from Douglas Court. I'll explain what you have to do when you have to do it. But don't start doing it now. We will do it twice this morning. All right then, let us go back to... March of 2020 and the, the the leap year has kind of thrown the dates a little bit but it was, give or take a sniff, uh, this day last year that we were all thrown into turmoil now I will go through the numbers as we always do on a Friday 
in a few minutes' time. But what we had been watching running up to this day last year was the tragedy unfolding in Italy, the worsening situation in Spain, the worsening situation in the UK. We had been looking at this thing developing in China in the early new year. And that originally, and I think if we're all honest about it, when we saw the news coming from China, we kind of said, Asher, you know what, that'll be grand. God, it's terrible for them over there, but they will bring it under control and it'll be fine and we won't ever have to worry about it. And that was our first thoughts in this part of the world, if we're all honest. The first thing we thought about back in January was, oh, that's another nasty outbreak of something now, way, 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 way away in China. And we won't have to worry too much about it. And how wrong were we? How awfully wrong were we? And this day last year, very early in the morning, Washington DC time, he was there for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations And as I said, we'd been making sure we could get the feeds, making sure we could get the live audio to you. And I think it was around about 11 o'clock that morning that we broke into the programme with the live feed from Washington, D.C. of the Den Tishuk, the Avratkar. So from 6pm today, the following measures are being put in place and they will stay in place until the 29th of March. Schools, colleges and childcare facilities will close from tomorrow. Where possible, teaching will be done online or remotely. Cultural institutions will close as well. Our advice is that all indoor mass gatherings of more than 100 people and outdoor mass gatherings of more than 500 people should be cancelled. Arrangements are being made to ensure that everyone entering Ireland through airports and airports is fully informed and self-isolates if they develop symptoms. You should continue to go to work if you can where possible you should work from home and in order to reduce unnecessary face-to-face interaction in the workplace break times and working times should be staggered and meetings done remotely or by phone public transport will continue to operate the shops will remain open and we have plans to ensure that supply chains will not be interrupted we need public and businesses to take a sensible level-headed and responsible approach during this difficult time Restaurants, cafes and other businesses can stay open, but should look at ways they can implement public health advice on social distancing. And as a general rule, outside of work, people should seek to reduce social interactions as much as possible. I think it's important. Now, how long is it going to be, going to be closed for? Is it another thing? Uh, do you say, is it just for the fortnight? I have three kids and we'll be at home for the next few weeks, but that's fine. You know, I feel sorry for people and leaving cert. Um, and I presume schools will be able to deal with that. Do you think that we should have done it sooner? No, I don't think so. I think now's the time. You know, it's kind of changing every hour, so, you know, who knows? I hope, I hope, you know, everyone will stay safe with it. I'm in underlying condition, so I have to deal with that, you know. So I have moments, but I'm out and about and I'm getting on with life. Yeah, a big long queue, and I don't know, even Christmas wasn't as long. I don't know why. There's enough stock in there, like, you know, because people are panic buying on things like toilet roll and soap, but was there enough in there? 
there seemed to be enough yeah there wasn't a shortage of anything that we could see anywhere really you know what happens happens this whole world is in the same boat there's not much you can do about it what was it like in there well the shelves were stocked more than I thought they'd be but the queues were insane I've never seen anything like it yeah it was an hour and a half I was actually going in doing my just my normal weekly shop and I suppose then I did kind of as I was waiting in line I started thinking about God should I get this and I actually did a bit of a panic shop in the end um, and I suppose I did have an hour and a half to look around at people's trolleys and there definitely was panic buying. What's the question? Was there enough toilet roll? I didn't actually even go near that aisle. Uh, yeah everyone seemed to have it in their trolley anyway you can do the lectures online that's fine but I mean you know we're going to be missing two weeks worth of of teaching practice here which is very valuable to us and people who are expecting maybe inspections you know tomorrow and things like that like since it's our final year of it you know it's kind of like prolonging now the stress and the anxiety surrounding all the inspections and everything and it's it's hard for the lads too the students because I mean it's grand putting a work up on Google Classroom for them but if we're not actually there in person to teach them then that compromises their learning too you know it was surprising really but look I suppose it's happening to everybody in the country you know so um because everybody's off you know it's going to affect everybody so I think the best thing to do really for us because we're leaving our students is to put the head down for the you know the two weeks because you know everybody else in the country is in the same boat and it's two weeks that we would have had in school and it's not really something that we could have like uh, combated it anyway like it was always going to happen Are you so, worried so about your exam results? Um, not really because if you look at it it's like every school in the country is closing down it's not just you know Christ aim and reach yeah, yeah. Okay. so I mean everybody's off so it's up to you how you use your time but I, I think definitely with two weeks off you should definitely think about like you know uh, studying for the two weeks The main thing now really is to look after who's at home and just make sure that they're all safe and I've my dad now is old and uh, my mother-in-law's in a nursing home so it's really to protect them really I think is the most important thing I'm a nurse myself So are you worried about your own health being on the front like that I think at this stage you can't think of yourself like that so you just have to think of who you need to help at the, at the now at the moment you know and just you know take the precautions I'm going on to a train and how are you feeling about it I'm kind of scared but I have my hand sanitizer and I won't be putting my jacket up against my nose I'm trying to go and sit by myself and so do you have to get this train like was there any way that you could no I don't drive I don't drive so I decided to train or the bus yeah, or I can walk, but like it'll take me a long time to walk from Trilly to Cork. Do you know? Are you in college? <laughs> no, I'm done visiting now. The boyfriend all the time. So, uh, like as this goes on now, do you think that you might be more reluctant to use the train and maybe give up seeing the boyfriend? I will not give up seeing the boyfriend. <laughs> coronavirus or no coronavirus? I wonder if she's still seeing the same lad. I I hope she is because there was so much difficulty for people like that over the last 12 months. Listening back to that, though, you have to smile. And it's a kind of a sad smile because we were talking about running out of toilet paper and we were talking about being closed for two weeks and two weeks now when we're missing classes and two weeks we're missing teaching practice and, and all of that. And did we ever know, did we ever think, had we any idea at the time of what we were headed into? And did we think at all that we'd still be here 12 months hence? I said it this morning on my Twitter and my Instagram, I said, you know, did we ever think that we'd be here 12 months on? And I also said that, you know, we have to have the hope 
we have to have the hope because if we don't have that we've nothing that we won't be in this position 12 months from here uh, with vaccines and all that and I'll be talking a little bit later with Professor Luke O'Neill a regular catch up with with Professor O'Neill about where we're going with vaccines and where we're going in the future of combating this this blasted thing that has invaded and destroyed our lives. The numbers are stark from that day to this. There have been 225,179 cases of coronavirus COVID-19 recorded in this country. There have been 4,509 people have lost their lives to the virus. And I think our thoughts must be, for a moment at least, with the families, the friends, the relatives, the loved ones of each and every one of those 4,509 people, quite a number of whom were in Cork. Now, speaking of Cork, and we've become very used to numbers, and Friday is kind of numbers day. Uh, We've been looking at it very closely for months now. In Cork, we've had 21,443 cases of COVID-19 across our population of in or around half a million. I think the most up-to-date stats are it's about 510, 520,000 Cork City and County. We'll go with the half a million for ease of use, shall we say. So 21,443 cases from that day to this in Cork and quite a number of deaths. Let us look then at the most recent numbers that we have coming out last evening from Neffet. And as we've learned up to now, these were Thursday evening's numbers. So they were Wednesday's data. That's something we've... So Wednesday's data, Thursday's numbers. We'd had 20 new cases, which was a come down from the 41. We were getting worried about 41 cases the previous day, but 20 yesterday. Our ever-important five-day moving average was 19, which looks as if, fingers crossed and all that, that the 41 was just a blip. Our five-day moving average, 19. And our cases per 100,000 of population, 56. That figure has become very important to us. It's what they call a reliable metric. Our cases per 100,000 population over the last 14 days... 56, which is great. Last week, in the 14 days running up to this day last week, our case numbers were 63. So we're still going down. We're still going down. Slowly, though, as Professor Nolan has been saying, slowly, very slowly. Last month, this day last month, our 14-day figure per per 100,000 of us in Cork was 207. So we've pretty much gone down three quarters in a month. Now, to give you an idea of how well we've done in Cork, and I've been pushing this really hard, on the 12th of January, and I remember it for a couple of reasons. One, I was broadcasting from home. Two, it was my birthday. 1,624 cases per 100,000 people in Cork. So we've gone in eight weeks from 1,624 to 63. And that, in any man's language, is fantastic progress. Just to let you know where we are right now, it's a great perspective to have. They began recording figures in March. 
last year. So I looked at the 14-day figures for Cork at the end of March 2020. Okay? The 14-day figures for Cork at the end of March 2020 were 271 cases, 54 per 100,000 of us. So we're right now on this 12th of March ahead of in terms of numbers. We've more numbers, more cases than we had at the start of the pandemic this time last year. But we're getting down and down and down. It's positive, but we need to we need to hang in there. We're we're the best performing county in Munster because Kerry's just above us. Uh, we have a 56 per 100,000. Kerry has 61. Clare has 94. Waterford, 97. Tipperary, 124. And Limerick is the most problematic county in Munster. It has 188.3 as its 14-day incident per 100,000 of us. Worst in the country? Longford. Why Longford? I have no idea. On 440. Offaly, 347, and Dublin, 242. And the national, the national 14-day incidents, I don't normally do these numbers, but nationally, 162. So nationally, 162 is the 14-day incidents, and we have 56. So about a third. We're about a third of the national average, which I think, again, in anybody's language, tells us that here in Cork, we've done a great job It's not going to be easy as the weather gets better and the days get longer and there's more temptation to go out and do stuff. Can we not hold on for a little while and try and get those numbers down even further? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. There's a query, any idea where in Cork the cases are happening? Do you know what? We're going to look into that a bit more. Um, there's a bit more digging needed, but we can look into that a little bit more maybe into into next week. And a lot of people saying we'd no idea that we would be here a year later. And I'll, I'll go back to that uh, in, in a few minutes. Um, John in Cantork, I, I'd hate for you to do that, John. John says he's going to switch off for an hour. Bad enough listening but a def- about COVID, but definitely don't want to listen to what happened last year. I think it's interesting to look back, John. But if you do go, listen, if you do head off for a while, that's entirely yourself. But get back in time not to miss this. My mother taught me, like, we have to watch out for people following you and be on high alert for creepy men. If you're making a cup of tea, John, and walking around for an hour out the garden, that's fine. But come back for Holly. Don't miss Holly. 1850-715-996. One of the first people that we spoke to about what... COVID-19 had done to them and how they had suffered with uh, COVID-19. And remember, we discovered very quickly into it that it was attacking the fit and the healthy as well as the sick. People who were already ill, elderly people, underlying conditions, you name it, they they really suffered and suffered so big time. But we, we realised very early into the pandemic that young 
relatively young anyway, healthy, strong people were getting knocked back for six by this thing. Like, remember this. It hit me like a freight train, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no denying what happened with it. Um, I wasn't that bad that I needed ventilation or more aggressive support measures, but certainly got hit pretty hard. But this virus will damage people even if they're, they don't really experience any symptoms. They can go through a very mild um, form of it, but it can still cause issues to to the lungs. There's cardiomyopathy as well that that can go with it. So it it is a it is a nasty little thing. How long is it? Do you think before you'll be able to go back diving? Um, my type of diving is is not your sort of typical recreational diving so i do a lot of deep mixed gas diving and yeah. i'm uh, and i'm a cave diver um so those types of dives will take a little while to build back up to i'd be thinking in terms of you know some months to to get back up to doing those i've got to get a clear chest x-ray possibly ct scan and i've got to get some lung function tests done um i need to make sure that you know i'm at 100 percent before i uh, i start back in the water now, we spoke to Matt Jevon later in the year, um, and he was on the mend. A year on, Matt, how are you now? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, very good. Very good. You um, made a complete recovery, did you? You're back in the water? Back in the water. Well, we were back in the water until, obviously, our uh, geographical travel restrictions have, have, have caused issues with it. But from my own personal health perspective, yes, I'm 100%... Um, Good support from some super people and, and passed my dive medical back in July last year. Great, great. Because when we were looking back, one of the reasons we were so interested in, in, in your conversation with us was that initially we thought this was only about people who were already sick or already weakened some way through an underlying condition. But but then we realised quickly that you know people like yourself, who for your work has to stay on, ver- on the very peak of fitness and condition, you you were getting it, and like you said, it, it hit you like a freight train. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I mean, basically, it was about this time last year, I was on a flight where I probably contracted it, and by April I was unable to walk the length of the corridor in the house. Um, and that was, you know, a change for me. You know, this is somebody who's, with the di- not just the diving, but I'm a power lifter for a bit of recreational fun as well. So, you know... Um, I could barely lift a mug of tea, let alone uh, let alone do my usual sort of weights. Scary, wasn't it? Um, do you know at the time you don't look at it as scary because you you're fighting it. Um, so if you sort of disappear inside yourself and get frightened by it, I think that weakens your ability to to kick back and to fight it away. Hmm. But um, yeah, you look back in in retrospect, and and to be honest, the biggest hit was from looking at my. Um, you know, my my close friends and particularly my wife, who was way more scared by it than I was, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said you weren't you weren't ventilated, but all around you, I think people were being ventilated at the time. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I was applying quite a lot of my diving knowledge as well as my sort of diving medic knowledge. And um, I wanted to minimise oxygen uptake and things like that because I wanted the, didn't want the lung function over-supported. Mm. Um, and in conversation post my hospitalisation for it, I was working with a, a respiratory consultant who's an assistant professor of respiratory medicine, 
and he was very much in support of that approach. Um, he said it's one of the reasons that I've managed to make the recovery that I have done. Mm. Yeah, well, good, good for you. And, and looking back then, uh, with or without your own illness, did you ever think that a year on we'd still be trying to deal with this? Um, not back at the time that we would have spoken originally. I would have thought we would have managed this a lot better than we have in in a number of ways, to be honest with you. Um, so no, I wasn't. I wouldn't have been thinking we'd still be in this full locked down position as of today. Mm. But having said that, you know, given given what's been happening, um, the waves, if you like, that we've had, you know, lockdown release, the R number goes up, the infections, the hospitalizations go up, and then restrictions come back in, and it gradually creeps back down again. Until we've got an answer to that, and and unfortunately, the answer which should be you know, the the sensible, simple things of social distancing and hand washing and a bit of respect for people's personal space. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't seem to be able to manage that. Do you think we've lost that a little bit? You know, we, we were very diligent first lockdown, little less so the, the second one. Do you think do you think we've lost the, the basics a bit? I, I, I do. I mean, I think there's a... Understandably, there's a level of fatigue with the whole situation and I think people are frustrated and tired of it um, and that's why we're seeing the sort of less of a, a stringent adherence to what what's needed to be done to to open up um, I think the other thing as well and I mean it's difficult to say but it it's how can I put it people are not really focused on this um, side of the infection we're, we're naturally social animals, we naturally like to be yeah. got together, we naturally like to spend time in each other's company yeah. and I think the challenge has been and I don't think it was handled very well from the start it wasn't what we needed to do, it was how we needed to do it and the motivation that people needed to do it and we were, we were beaten with it, we were threatened with it and people never respond really well to that. How do you mean by that? By by whom? <laughs> well, I think if you look at the the way that the um, the rules, if you like, on on social distancing and hand washing were presented at the outset, it wasn't help people out. We're all in this together. We need to we need to do this for everybody's sake. It was very much you must do this. Yeah. And I don't think they addressed the psychology of it from the perspective of. How do we get an entire population of people with different views and different approaches and different philosophies mm. to all work together to the same end to stop this thing from spreading? I think the first lockdown, um, we did get that. People were on board and they were all in it together and we did make the effort and we got the rewards for that in the early summer when the thing practically disappeared in Cork. Anyway, the numbers in Cork were so low, it had practically disappeared. But then the second time out, not so much. No, because I think they'd said, well, we've done it, we've put in the effort, um, it's not worked. And I don't think people appreciated that what happened is, is that when we came back from it working, all of that opening up, it, it could have been sustained if we just maintained some of those basic rules. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the situation we're in now is that we know, and I think that the, the government and their advisors know that people aren't going to do that if they open things back up again. 
Mm. So they're not going to open up again until the vaccine's in place. Yeah, I think they got and an I, awful fright at yeah. what happened at Christmas time. I think that spooked everybody, including I, the including the epidemiologists. I think so, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if we look at that build back up, that that wasn't unpredictable. And I mean, I yeah. know socially the pressure to and politically the pressure to open up at Christmas was huge, but I think that was a huge mistake. Um, and I, I don't think that was hindsight. I mean, I was at the time going, look, I'd, I'd love to be able to get everybody together and have interaction and family time and all the rest of it. But you just, you can't in that situation. Mm. Um, you know, I think we we opened up at Christmas due to that social political pressure. And that's put a lot of people, a lot of businesses in massive jeopardy now. Yeah. Matt, I wish you continued good health and I assume that you'll be vaccinated soon and that you'll be going back out doing what you do, which is a brilliant diving medic around the world, not just around Ireland. And uh, and thanks for speaking with us again today. It's my pleasure. And me and yeah, I mean, I'll take my turn when the vaccination comes. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get we can get that out quickly to everybody so that we can get a bit of normality back. All right, look after yourself, Matt. Thank you very much. That's Matt Jevon, the owner of the Southwest Technical Diving Company, internationally respected uh, diver, diving teacher, uh, diver in hazardous conditions, and indeed a diving medic. And if people of that level of fitness can get as sick as he did, it really needs to sink in that you don't want this. 185715996, a man who's be, become a friend of the show over the last few months. Uh, and I always look upon him as a beacon of not just science, not just great science, but positivity. Uh, and he's always been there to spur us on a little bit when we're feeling just a little bit down and a little bit battered by it all. And that's Professor Luke O'Neill. Luke, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How's it going? Good. Good to speak with you again. Now, I want to go through a few stories that are around there, and then we'll talk about about where we might be in 12 months' time, because we never thought we'd be here. Or at least before I start, did you think last March that we'd be here? I didn't, PJ. I thought we'd have a beat, not quite beaten. But by the autumn, we were thinking there might be something, you know. I guess we were hoping we might be able to contain it through public health measures, you know. But the trouble is, new virus began sort of catching us out in all kinds of ways, you know. But it is, it's still struggling, let's face it. But, uh, but we are getting somewhere, yeah. as I'm sure we'll discuss. But it is a little bit disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, and variants coming from all over the all world. Yeah. Like a yeah. terrible story. That place, and I, I think you're very familiar with the situation in, in is it the town, is it Mineos or Manaus in That's Brazil? Right, Brazil, yeah, yeah. What's they, going they on there? Well, they had a massive outbreak because they didn't use any public health measures really at all. You know, that, that would have happened here if we hadn't have been adopting all the things we adopted. You know, massive case rates, hospitals overwhelmed, huge death rates. So it was a real sort of lesson. You know, if you don't follow the instructions, you could be in a very bad place. And now they're having a second surge, and we're not quite sure why that is. Uh, one option is a new variant that might be reinfecting people. The jury's out on that, though. It may well be that... Uh, it isn't that at all, you know, but it's one to watch. We're watching all these places very closely, you know. Yeah, it's like an illustration of, of what can happen if you don't fight this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. What, what not to do almost is what Manos tells us, really. You've been saying in the last few days that we need to be 
working harder, battering down doors if needs to be to get more vaccination supplies in here. Now, the the, the licensing of Johnson and Johnson and that that'll be that'll be coming soon. But we the government keep telling us week in week out, day in day out that we're just not getting them. We're just not getting the deliveries that we that we had hoped for. Is there more that could be done? I think there is, Peter, to be honest. Now, the government are right in that we have contracts. The EU has contracts with the main companies, and now we're beholden to them. Delivering, and if they get delays, then there's a knock-on effect, you know. And there can be delays. Anybody in manufacturing will tell you. Sometimes the machine breaks down or their supply chain is affected, you know. So you can't really blame the government for that because they're waiting for the EU to deliver. But guess what? Hungary have done separate deals, Slovakia. I think one thing they might consider is going to the, the Russians. Yeah. The, Sput- the Sputnik V is a very safe, very efficacious vaccine. The numbers so, are really good with that. The research is really good, isn't it? Really impressive. Yeah, no, we, we, did, we, were, we were wary of it initially, you may remember, we weren't so sure, because they hadn't done a phase three trial, which is not the norm, you see. But now it's been in millions of people. It's very safe, you know. And the Hungarians, who are in the EU like us, remember... They've just bought 200,000 doses off the Russians, yeah. you know. And isn't and there a factory in German, Germany going to start making it? There is, and one in Italy. There's two factories in Europe are going to make it now. That, that will be approved pretty soon, Fiji, in Europe. Why? Oh, will it? But the Irish government should be knocking on any door. It's all about doing a deal, let's face it, you know. Yeah. The, the, the Israelis did a spec, it's called a killer deal with Pfizer back in November and got 11 million doses in early before anybody else, you know. And like most businesses, PJ, you can do deals, you know. So I think the government might be a bit more bit more punchy, especially as we now know the vaccines are working gangbusters. Yeah. And now it's a question of time, you see, till we get as many people vaccinated as possible. What, what we get told, though, when you put that question to politicians is, well, we don't want to get into a bidding war with, with other countries. We, we've got a guaranteed supply coming from the EU. We just need to wait for it to come. It's, it's true, but there's no reason for us not to be cute in the Irish sense. It's a feature, you know, because it is literally doing deals, remember. Uh, Poland are about to buy one of the Chinese vaccines, which again is very safe and efficacious. Now, of course, the, the, you understand there's a slight reluctance in doing these things, but I'd still be exploring it. Let's say, for instance, PJ, the supply chain is further threatened mm. for the companies we're dealing with. Then we're going to be even further down the line, you know? Yeah. So there, there is a case to be a bit more smart about this, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe knock on a few doors. We, we still don't have a, a dedicated, nominated senior politician given sole responsibility for the vaccine rollout. Should we have? Definitely, yeah, because but it's, it's kind of the Taoiseach's job, interestingly, because this is mission one for every single country, you know? And, and every leader, every like Boris Johnson has played a blinder. He knocked a few heads together, I bet you, PJ, to get the... Because he knew, he knew his way out of the mess in the UK was to vaccinate widely, as did Netanyahu, by the way. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the vaccination campaign in Israel is Netanyahu's get out of jail card because they did so badly with uh, controlling the virus. The election's coming up, you know. I mean, it, this is real-world stuff in a sense. Yeah. And, but you're right, though, there should be a cabinet minister around the table whose job it is to guarantee the supply of these vaccines because it is absolutely mission one for our country. Let's look at one or two of the stories that have broken in the last 24, 48 hours, in particular in relation to AstraZeneca. And they are worrying, Luke. Now, if you look, I was listening to a a scientific advisor last night on, on British radio and he was saying, look, we have no actual proof that this problem with blood clots has been yep. caused by the vaccine. What's happening there? Should we be worried about AstraZeneca? No, I wouldn't be. No, no. I mean, it is one to watch, let's put it that way, but leave it to the doctors, the scientists. So what happened was in Denmark, 
it was a batch of AstraZeneca and two people had blood clots. And sadly, one of them died. So it is quite serious. The fact that there was two made them wonder, you know, is this less than just a coincidence kind of thing, you know. But that was not seen in any other trial, you know. So it could just be bad luck, you see. Yeah. So, but, but then again, they've, they've looked at that batch now. They've stopped the trial or they've stopped using it just so they check it out. And now other countries are following suit. But that's an overreaction. This is an extremely effective vaccine proven to be safe in tens of thousands of people. I think what happened in Denmark hopefully is just a bit of bad luck, you know? There is a thing in science, uh, we've discussed it many times on the programme, and in relation not just to COVID-19 but other things, that correlation does not imply causation. Explain that principle, Luke, and why it's so important right now. That's exactly right. You must have done science, did you? I university? did, actually, yeah. <laughs> well, you see, that is the key thing that people get mixed up about. Just because two, two things correlate doesn't mean that one is causing the other thing, you know. So for years, a great example, Richard, for years the tobacco industry said smoking didn't cause cancer. It just so happened that smokers were getting cancer. You know, there was, a, there was a correlation, but it wasn't causing it. And then the evidence became clear that smoking was causing cancer, you know. So it's a really important thing to have in mind when you see these things happening. And that case with AstraZeneca, that could just be a correlation. They've just seen two cases and those people happen to have the vaccine. It doesn't mean the vaccine's causing it. You know, that's, that's the key part of that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and indeed, I, like they would do these kind of tests in labs be, before they release it, wouldn't they? No, it's effect precise. on the bloodstream, it's effect on this, that and the other. Precise. That's why the, That's why the trials are so important. They're very, very careful during trials. You do a phase two, which is a few hundred people, everything's fine. You move on to phase three, thousands of people. You know, any signal at all will stop a trial. It happened, in fact, you may remember, before Christmas, some of the trials stopped for a few days because there was a single case of something. That's right. They'd, they'd look at that closely and they'll know that wasn't caused by the vaccine at all, you know. But still, it's, it's, it's a good thing in a way for you that they're monitoring everything very closely. There's yeah. a really remote chance of something going on there. There's a real you know, unlikely chance. But it's right that they should check it out, really, just, just mm. to protect us all, just in case, you know. Talk to us about Johnson & Johnson, because the European Union have now given it the green light. I think yep. we're supposed to get something like 600,000 doses. Now, because it's a one-jab vaccination, 600,000 yep. is, is a lot of doses. Explain, first of all, though, why everybody else needs two jabs, but Johnson & Johnson can do it in one. What's going on there? They, they tested that themselves. They decided, let's give it a go and let's give one shot and see what happens. And it may not have worked. I mean, they might have said, oh, look, we'll need a second shot. But it turns out they were able to prove that single shot gave a big response. The other people all, all played safe and went for the double shot just to be sure it would work, you know? Because there was an unknown there, I suppose. Other vaccines work as a single shot. Some work as two shots. So the other companies went for the two-shot route. But mm. guess what, PJ? It turns out the Pfizer vaccine is actually very effective after a single shot. Yes. So that, that may revert now. And they'll go, oh, look, we, we'll get away with a single shot as well, you see. So mm. it was kind of a case of, and it does sound a bit imprecise, but it was a suck up and see job in a way, you know? Yeah. I, I read a piece in one of the papers about Johnson & Johnson that the great advantage of it was not just the fact that it's one shot, not just the fact that it can be kept in, in an ordinary fridge, uh, you don't need big yep. freezers for it. But that for for people in general good health, it's it's the game changer because it, it, it's the vaccine that they need. General good health, their protection levels will be really high. That's exactly right, yeah. I mean, in truth, they're all very good, these vaccines. It's very hard to separate them. Every one of them, remember, gives you 100% protection against severity and illness and death. They all protect against the severe end, you know? Mm. There, might, there might be slight differences with uh, preventing you getting infected at all, for instance. Yeah. And a mild disease Where are we happen. on that science? 
But, but so, some of the, I mean, some people say get a slight infection after a vaccine, you see, but, but it never progresses, and that's fine. You know, that's yeah. good, you know? It, it turns us all into kind of people with either no disease at all or mild disease. That's the way to think of it, really, you know? Yeah. And all, all four vaccines do that. And it was a great day, PJ, because that's a really good vaccine, the Johnson. See, Johnson & Johnson are in your Premier League for vaccine companies, you see. So mm. then they got massive production capacity. They can make it to beat the band. And then, of course, the other thing is they tried it in South Africa and Brazil, and it works there as well. So that means those variants are less of a concern. So the approval is a really good day. And as you say, 600,000 of that is like 1.2 million of Pfizer because it's a single shot. You yeah. know, it's great. It and is great. That, that, that one could dominate. Watch eventually. That could be the one, as you say, widely used. The last thing to say, PJ, is it'll work in the developing world because you keep it in the fridge. There's no need to have really cold temperatures, you know, which is handy for those countries. Yeah, yeah. Where are we on the fact that, okay, I now won't get sick if I'm vaccinated? Where are we on, can I give it to you if you're not? Yeah, that's sort of unknown is the truth of it. We'd, we'd love to know the answer to that because if, if the vaccine stops spreading, then, then you're really in business because now the, the virus goes away completely, you know? And it's looking better. So we're getting data from Israel which is where, where like 7 million people have been vaccinated by now, and the UK, and they're getting evidence that indeed it does stop spread, which is a tremendous development. But it's still a work in progress. I'm still trying mm. to analyse that more. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one here. People ask me, why are such great vaccines and people still get infected? The reason is the immune system doesn't really go to your nose very much. Right. So in other words, it protects your lungs, you know? Yeah. And you might get it in your nose. You, you have very few symptoms. It's like a cold. But the trouble is it's living in your nose, but then you might spread it to someone else. You see. Yeah. That, that's where that question comes in. And it's the the building of what they call, another term we've become familiar with, the building of the viral load. It's the bigger your viral load, the more infectious you are. Precisely. And, and that's why these study, one study has shown if you're vaccinated, it'll decrease the amount of virus in your nose fourfold, which is great, because that means there's a tiny bit of virus there, you know, and that's most unlikely then to be, you know, a source of infection to someone else. So, so the news gets better on that, uh, that, that uh, transmission question. What about people who get their injection? I'm, uh, the, a few colleagues of, of a relative of mine who work in the health service, uh, they all got their vaccinations, they all got AstraZeneca um, this time last week, and they felt ropey. Um, yeah. for about 24, 48 hours. One guy said it was like the worst hangover he'd ever had. Is that normal? It is perfectly normal, yeah. And, and in fact, AstraZeneca is giving that more than the other ones. So lots of people are saying, look, I felt rotten for a day after it. Do we know uh, these, why? Well, these, these symptoms resolve. You can take paracetamol to, to relieve them. Now, very interestingly, that might be a good thing because it means your immune system's kicking off, you see, and you're getting a good response, you know? Yeah. And, and that might give you longer-term protection. One thing, the other thing we don't know, PJ, is how long will protection last? That's still a mm. question that we're looking at. A stronger response might mean you've built up a very strong immune response, and that will protect you for months and months and mm. months, you know? Might so we, might we though, be rolling this into, like we do with flu, might we be rolling this into an autumn program for the vulnerable going forward? We, we might, yeah, that, that'd be sensible. Uh, because these variants are there, they're like flu, every winter a new variant crops up, you know, and then you vaccinate against the new one, and that, that's a possibility, yeah, and nothing to be fearful of. It'll just be the older, vulnerable people who will have the, the booster shot every winter. You can stick three or four in the one vaccine, by the way. Most people don't know the flu shot has probably three separate variants in it, you know, so mm. I suspect that'll happen with this as well. Uh, lastly, in regard to variants, um, the, the, B, the British one, the Kent one, that's here in, in high numbers, and we hear that its fatality rate, its mortality rate is, is much higher. 
No, the jury, again, that's one that's being examined. It certainly spreads more. Yeah. And what that means is more get infected and the total number of people getting sick goes, which is a numbers game. You know, there's more getting infected. There's no evidence it's a much more vicious virus, you see. But the fact that it spreads more means more cases. So therefore, we've got to observe the, the measures even more. I mean, one lesson there for you is, remember the distancing and the mask wearing stops that one spreading just as much as the other ones you yes. know? so we, we've got to keep up with all the public health measures while uh, that one's around and that's where I wanted to finish uh, Luke is that look we're a year in and I hopefully and I know you share the same hope hopefully this time next year we'll be talking about what it was what co- yeah. coronavirus was not is um, but it's so important to, to hang in there wait for your vaccine but do what you need to do while you're waiting it's really important because the famous analogy, you don't want to be the last man shot on the, the armistice day kind of thing, you know. So, so it's really important because there's still lots of people not vaccinated. That's the key thing to remember. So there's still a risk of you catching it and giving it to someone else who's vulnerable, you know. So we have to maintain the same boring guidelines that we're all sick to death of. But, but we'd be mad not to because we're getting close now. And, and, and a great piece of news, PJ, was, which is worth telling people, the U.S. now, have issued guidelines of what's called a vaccine bonus. What can you do when you're vaccinated? And they're allowing two people who've been vaccinated to meet up just like the good old days. No masks, no no worries about you can hug each other and everything, you know? So therefore, you could go and visit someone in a nursing home if you've been vaccinated yourself. Yes, I think that's coming in, isn't it? But this is acting normally. No need to be, uh, you know, two metres apart. No need to have masks on or nothing, you know? So we're seeing now the guidance coming out as to what the vaccine brings us. And it is moving back towards a normal situation. It'll be baby steps because we don't want to make aims of it. You know, just, just keep it steady until we get to a certain level of vaccination. And then you'll really see things changing. Watch, it'll really begin to go back to what it used to be. Okay, well, here's hoping that this time next year we can have another conversation about how it used to be and how we're all back to, to some kind of normal. Thank you so much for your input across the last 12 months to The Opinion Line, Professor Luke O'Neill. Thanks, PJ. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. We're looking back for our first hour this morning, and maybe later, but at least for our first hour, looking back at this day last year when that announcement was made in Washington at the start of what we now know to have been a very, very long and very, very hard 12 months. And at the time, uh, Lord Mayor of Cork and, of course, a medical doctor, he kind of became the city's GP. He became the the on-air GP to us all. Uh, Dr. John Sheehan, good morning. Morning, PJ. John, did you ever think this day last year when we spoke that we'd be having similar conversations 12 months on? I certainly didn't. And I have to say, I could listen to Luke O'Neill all day. He's really uplifting and inspiring. Fantastic. Um, I think we all thought, you know, we all saw what was happening in Italy and Bergamo. And I think it was what you said earlier, when it was in China, it was kind of far away. And when it happened in Italy, it really became very, very real. And certainly the images from Bergamo, I think, really put the the frighteners on all of us. Um, But really, at the time, we all felt it was all about sort of flattening the curve and reducing down sort of the surge so that the hospitals could cope and, you know, that we'd lock everything down. We'd do this for a short period of time. The weather was good. 
and we'd be out the gap, you know, towards the summer. And really, as time went on then, you know, things opened up a little bit, and then they closed again, and then I think everyone found this January probably the hardest one, you know. There was no... The weather was bad. It was more infectious. Everyone knew someone who had it, which I think was the big change compared to this time last year. Everyone had a story about it. And I think people really, really found it hard, but none of us envisaged that I think it would last a year, I have to say. Are you confident that with the arrival of the vaccines and hopefully the acceleration of that arrival, that we will be out the gap by by, by next year or by the end of I this really, year? I, I really am, because you can see the, 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 the data already showing that it's making um, a, a, a difference. So I think the vaccine may be here to stay. It might be like the flu vaccine as this virus changes, as we're discovering already. But certainly, I think, in terms of opening things up. But I think it's going to take, I think, the habits that we've developed over the last year um, in terms of, you know, hand sanitizing and distancing and masking, I think some of them will probably stay with us for a while. I think people just won't feel comfortable mm-hmm. um, in big crowds, in very near people, because we've got used to, you know, the other. And I think that mm-hmm. will take a while. So I think, I think people will be very afraid of crowds for a while, at least. They certainly will, yeah. They just won't feel comfortable, and I think they'll just uh, just, uh, just just avoid it. I was thinking back, uh, PJ, to this time last year, and one of the things that struck me is um, on Patrick's Day, which is normally a huge event, I was on, a, on this new sandal thing called Zoom, which I'd never heard of before, uh, with 2,500 other GPs uh, hearing about the coronavirus and what, what to do and things like that. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me is how quickly everything changed, you know, how... The hospitals reconfigured things, um, which normally would take a lifetime, as you know, to try to get things done. Um, they got a huge oxygen tank outside the Mercy and managed to close off the road in the space of a few weeks. The army were involved. They were planning for field hospitals. How the whole thing suddenly changed in the course of a few weeks, which thankfully we didn't need. And I think it's sometimes good to look back on some of the things that we dodged bullets for. We did, you know, our hospitals coped, our health system coped. Mm. We didn't need the field hospitals, all of that sort of stuff. There was very real possibility this time last year. Yes, and people were very frightened of it. Uh, just before I let you go, I want to again, uh, I'm, to all the people who've been frequent contributors on the show over the last 12 months, I just want to thank you, John, for your constant positivity and input and availability to the opinion line. Not at all. Thank you, Peter. And like I have to say, it's times like this, you know, and I'm not from Austin, is, you know, people were at home, they couldn't go out. So like local radio, local media, they really play an important part because, you, you know, you get the national and international stuff, but people need to hear what's happening for themselves, what's happening to their families and loved ones. And that was a really vital part in the last year. So well done on all your work. Much, your much appreciated. Thank you very much, uh, John Sheen, for those kind words. Former Lord Mayor, he was Lord Mayor of Cork at the time. Coronavirus hit. And of course, uh, GP in Black Pool, Dr. John Sheehan. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Yeah, the weather forecast for the weekend looking uh, not great tomorrow. Not great tomorrow at all at all. But Sunday looks nice. Sunday looks dead nice. And into the next week, the ever-reliable Dark Sky app that I keep telling you about has a lovely week of spring weather, particularly... Wednesday, Thursday and this day week, Friday. So some nice weather coming uh, for the 
week ahead. We like to keep things positive and give you things to look forward to, particularly on a Friday. 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed anything in our first hour, don't forget to get it on the podcast, which is available mid-afternoon on all your platforms. We tweet it first, tweet the link on Twitter, then it drops to all the usual podcast platforms and the Cork's 96FM app. That's happening every afternoon of the week. It's a special day for us here on Cork's 96FM as we are celebrating Mother's Day and teaming up with Douglas Court to make your mom's day. Here's an opportunity for you to nominate your mom for a €100 Euro Douglas Court Shopping Centre voucher. I have a €100 voucher in front of me. All I need to do is write your mum's name on it. Here's how it works. I want you to nominate your mum at 083 396 96 96. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that, maybe 20 minutes to do that. So you need to nominate your mum by text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Tell us why she's the best mum in the world. Tell us why you want her to have the 100 quid for Douglas Court Shopping Centre and we'll do the rest and then in about 20 minutes I will call out the name of one nominated mom and she's got until 11 o'clock 60 minutes we'll give her 60 minutes even to ring us and tell us she heard her mention alright we're going to do it twice once this hour once next hour so get nominating your mom her name why you want her to get the 100 quid Get it into us, 083-396-9696 by text or WhatsApp. Some of the comments held over. Uh, Andrew said, you just said to Dr. Luke that the government don't want to get into a bidding war, which to agree is understandable, but they could get they can get into bidding wars when it suits them collectively. Like, haven't they only last week bid to host some World Cup matches? Money, money, money. It is true, Andrew. I met John Sheehan at the turning on of the Christmas lights. This is Jude. Met him in Shandon last December. Family get-together. Myself and the sisters and the kids. A wonderful night. Hot chocolate and Christmas cookies. We bumped into John. Had a lovely chat. Uh, it's like a lifetime ago now. This, I take it, was pre-pandemic. It was pre-pandemic. The turning on of the lights at the end of 2019. Uh, I know if COVID is important and it's so serious, but would it be possible for one day not to mention the bloody thing? Well, here's the thing about that. Two things. First of all, today, the anniversary that the first restrictions were announced, we couldn't not do it. Right? The other thing, and, and here's something. We, we did try this. We did try this uh, a few months ago where we said, right, any COVID stuff we're going to do, we're going to drop it into the second or third hour of the programme. And people were ringing us by half nine. Why aren't you talking about the numbers? Why aren't you talking about the vaccine? So it, people, they do actually want to hear it. It may go, oh, Jesus, more COVID, more COVID. But they do actually want to hear it. Uh, Andrew is saying one of the reasons that people lost their enthusiasm for the restrictions, and I'll come back to this if you want me to at some stage, is Golfgate. And I can remember being here the morning golf gate broke in the newspapers and I have never experienced my listeners to this program so furious, so livid with 
the story of Golfgate. There's a lot in what you're saying. 1857 Get your nominations in for Mother's Day. 083 396 There is a story you may have been following from the UK. And if, trust me, if you haven't been following it, others have. Particularly the young women of Cork have been following the Sarah Everard story with great interest. Sarah Everard, Everard was 33. She left her friend's house to walk home to her own house. A walk she would do quite frequently. A walk she knew well. She never got home. And they've now found human remains some distance away. Hasn't yet been formally identified as hers. But everyone knows it is. And there is a man in custody being questioned. He is a police officer. And that story is ongoing in the UK and I've no doubt we'll we'll have further developments possibly over the weekend. But since the story broke about Sarah, it has caused an outpouring of stories, personal stories of women of all ages who've had their own scare as they walked home, walked to work, walked to school, went to see a friend, went home from seeing a friend. And it is shocking the number of accounts turning up on social media of people, women, who just wanted to walk home. And they had a horrible experience on the way. One such young woman is Holly Keating, who relayed her experience on Twitter yesterday in the midst of all of this. And I caught up with Holly last evening. Holly, I've been following the the Sarah Everard story very closely. Uh, I listen to a lot of British radio and it's a shocking story, particularly the element of it where we think that the chief suspect is actually a policeman. But I think it's triggered people to think of their own experiences and that's why you took to Twitter. Yes, yeah. Um, You know, I think this has been a catalyst for many women's kind of everyday shared experience of just from between kind of like small incidents to pretty serious incidents of sexual assault and sexual kind of threat. Mm. And kind of what happened to myself was just, I was walking uh, kind of towards UCC one night with my friend over summer and I I literally had my bike with me. We were just on our way back. It must have been just past 10 p.m. And a man kind of, he was pretty out of his mind, um, came up to us and it kind of, he, he, he groped me a couple of times and basically started to beat up my friend. It was, and you, you'd think, you know, 10 PM, there'd be people around. It was a well-lit street, but nobody kind of even came to our aid. It was pretty terrifying. And like, he threatened to like his his basic threat was, you know, if you don't have sex with me, I'll I'll kill your friend. Um, so thankfully, I had um, kind of a hundred euro note in my pocket, and he managed to take it, and we we had to run and call the police. But yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's a pretty pretty awful um, experiences that are being shared on Twitter. That's it. Just yeah, this ever. Sarah Everard case just really kind of 
brought this up, I just felt compelled to kind of share it and, you know, maybe make other women feel like that they, you know, had, um, if they had similar experiences. What was shocking, Holly, is the number of stories around Cork. Like, Cork is very dangerous to be a woman on the street. Oh, Pete, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just every single, like, classmate, my mom, my sister, we all have experiences of either, like, being followed home in Cork or feeling that we were threatened. It's, it's, it's absolutely shocking. It's, it's so terrible. Every single woman I know has experienced this to some degree in Cork, just whether it's been after a night out with a boyfriend, with um, a, like a stranger. It's, it's just, it's really shocking. The guy that attacked you and your friend, total stranger, never seen him before, no idea who he was, just came out of the blue. Yeah, we were, I, 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 I don't know what was going on. He must have been um, out partying. He kind of offered his general sort of uh, way of coming up to us was offering us, did we want to party with him? And when we disagreed, you know, when he was, he was groping me, we were like, no, thank you. So we're going to go home. I think something just flipped in him. Yeah, he was a complete stranger. Like it was just on the Western Road opposite UCC at... Uh, by the Green Frog Cafe, and like this stuff happens every day. Like you said, it you said it was about ten o'clock at night, but it was summertime. So could well it was it was it still bright? Like yeah, it was still bright. It was still bright, and there was a couple of people still kind of walking around. Um, when he left, uh, I was obviously very distressed. Like I was bawling, crying. Um, a lovely fella came up to kind of comfort me, and we called the police. But you know what? Because he was. He said he lived near UCC. We didn't really want to hang around in case he came back mm. um, for more or anything. So we just, we called the guards and kind of went back towards town. But it actually, it, 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 it turned out okay. He was, he was, he was arrested. So the, the, the guards found him and, and arrested him. So it, it wasn't a, you know, there was a bit of closure in that sense. Yeah. But not everyone is so lucky, unfortunately. You know, I've, I have a number of friends that have been attacked and, you know, they've never met their attacker. Or, you know, people being followed home and stuff, they they don't know, they, you know, take a different route or go somewhere else so that, you know, the, the follower will be put off track. But, you know, people don't get closure. You're As a woman, you're kind of looking over your shoulder every day um, to see if, there's danger. It's just kind of part of our everyday experience. It is a luxury that a lot of men have, you know, that sense, that lack of fear walking somewhere dark or somewhere quiet by yourself. But it's, it's just part of our kind of normal, like ex- everyday experience is this, it's ingrained in us. Like my, my mother taught me, like she's told my sister, we have to watch out for people following you and, you know, be on high alert. And it's kind of ingrained in our, in our culture, in our society that we have to tell the girls to be on high alert for 
creepy men as opposed to telling the creepy men not to be creepy men, if that makes sense. It does, of course, make absolute sense. Like you were talking to me after being at an evening class and you had to come home, obviously, from that class. So describe your feeling as you you set off to come home. Are you naturally nervous and, and, and watching around yourself? Well, I got a lift off my parents because um I just I don't like hanging out anywhere after after 7 p.m especially if it's dark um it's kind of like it's like a, a kind of fist of of anxiety that is just constant within you to just stay on high alert like just constantly watching and seeing like the the feeling of relief when you see a woman walking down the same road as you it's I, I don't even know how to like I was trying to explain it to my dad and he just couldn't understand he couldn't understand the feeling at all it's like I don't know it's it's like an instinctive primal fear that you know the potential of danger is there yeah I was just out for a walk myself this evening and I was very conscious and I knew we'd be, we'd be talking very conscious of, of walking around and there's lots of women on the road people out for their walk of an evening and I was conscious that I might make somebody nervous just by being there I know but I think there are kind of certain steps that men can do to just make you know especially like maybe a, a much younger girl by herself feel more comfortable or more safe which is, would just be like maybe even crossing the road to the other side of the road or you know just um lagging back a bit so that she doesn't feel like they're you're being followed because I used, I used to live in Dublin um by Kilmainham and there'd been a couple of times I'd walked home from the train station at like 8 p.m and I'd be run. I would actually run through with two huge bags. I would run from the train station to Kamenam because I felt there. I felt like someone had been following behind me on the same side of the footpath for too long. Um. So it's kind of just small stuff like that, like crossing the road or maybe just holding back and you know not kind of staring. It's 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 a funny thing, but it's there was there was one young woman in particular was on the path at the same time as me. Now, I was, as part of my walk, I would cross the road anyway. But my, my, I was thinking to myself, like, is she nervous just at the sound of my footstep? <laughs> Probably, to be wow. honest, yeah. Wow. I know, I know. It's, it is, it's not something that I think women ever really come out and talk about a lot because it's kind of just so everyday. But, yeah, especially if it's kind of, in the, in the dark, def, definitely. If it's a, this, a quiet road, or there's not many other people on it, you're by yourself, you know, it's just her and a man. Yeah, for, almost definitely she would feel nervous. I don't know anyone who wouldn't, yeah. So Holly, how can, how can we help those of us who would never attempt to hurt anybody? How can we help? Um, I just think, well, on a walk, it, it would simply be just, you know, uh, like avoiding eye contact or trying to talk to someone because they probably don't feel comfortable with it or just holding back and crossing the road. But in everyday sort of life, it would actually just be having these conversations with 
the women in, you know, like in your family or the women that you work with or the women that surround your life? It's just really important to kind of acknowledge and understand that fear and just support it really and try and change the kind of mindsets of the men of the, you know, upcoming of the Gen Z of the upcoming generation. And the shock of the Sarah Everard story that has brought this outpouring of other stories. Something's got to be learned from it. What what can be learned, Holly? I think this, I think the Sarah Everard was, the story is literally just, it's just like a, 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 a catalyst to a whole world of micro and macro um, instances of sexual assault and I think what can be learned is that it's not there's kind of a hashtag going around saying not all men and you know to a certain extent obviously not all men but a lot of men and I think that what can be learned is that we need to listen to the fears of women and to understand you know what why we feel so scared because Sarah Everett unfortunately is the reality the actual the instance of reality where our fears have come you know to existence so I I, yeah I think the main thing that can be learned is just listening listening to women and just trying to understand how we can make everyone feel safer I was listening to another radio discussion earlier and the, the female presenter said, look, before we even get into this, we know it's not all men, but it's too many of you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, men who you, men who are brothers, men who you work with, men who are your friends. Unfortunately, you don't always know what, you know, that side to them where they can be creepy and you know I have a, a brother who's in his early 20s and I asked I asked him I said I really 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 hope that you would call out any of the sort of behavior on your you know if you saw your friends acting in a creepy or you know gropey sort of fashion I can almost guarantee it every kind of group of lads that I've met both in Dublin and in Cork in nightclubs in that fashion have have I've seen that and I've been first hand experience of them being creepy and gropey and yeah it's it's not all men but it's it's it sure is a lot of them and you know someone who you might think is really kind and really nice and the overly good guys aren't are pretty bad at themselves, you know. It's the a lot of times it's the the face of modern feminist man are the ones that behind closed doors, you know, um, are sexually abusive in in relationships. Go, go into that a little bit more for me. You said the, the modern feminist man. What, what do you mean by that? Not, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's pretty common trope now, I find, in my generation. It's like the kind of quote-unquote woke sort of men. They'd be very um, into you know, feminist matters that have been, you know, campaigning for the repeal of the eighth and, you know, 
that kind of that kind of vibe to them. But behind closed doors, and I've experienced it behind behind closed doors. If you don't feel like you know being intimate, or you're you know you go on a date and they're expect you know you don't want to go home with them straight away or something, they turn quite aggressive and almost violent. And yeah, it's it's very common. This uh, sort of modern feminist man is actually, you know, they're like, well, I'm a feminist, you know, I, I love women. I'm very pro-women. But, you know, in actuality, they kind of, <laughs> they're, they're not as, as good as they say they are. Holly, it's been an education to speak with you. <laughs> Thank you, BJ. I hope I could shed some sort of light on us. And stay safe out there. You too. Thank you so much. We had a good chat, didn't we, myself and Holly. And I learned a lot in that uh, 14 or so minutes. One of the things I learned uh, is that, and it's it's upsetting to learn it, but it's important to learn it, is that if I'm out for my walk of an evening, on my own or with the dog or wherever I'd be, or you're out for your walk, that young woman on the path maybe 10, 15, 20 yards ahead of you, that you wouldn't in your wildest dreams even consider approaching, let alone alone doing anything to her. She's afraid purely at the sound of your footstep. That is the world in which we now live as men because of the actions of some of us. That's scary. That's and I certainly will think twice when I'm walking behind a woman from now on. I will it will enter my head. Is she afraid because she can hear my footstep? Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The most worrying thing about the Sarah Everard murder, says Kate, is that he lightly flashed his badge to gain her confidence. Well, Kate, that seems to be what we know about the case. It seems to be that he is the guy in custody, is a serving policeman and that he appears to have pulled up to her in his car, flashed his badge and said, you know, it's not safe to be out here this time of night on your own. Here, I'll give you a lift home. Flashed his badge. That's what the working theory is, which is absolutely terrifying. 185715996. Right, John, how are you? Thanks you, for putting me on. You were listening to Holly. I was, um, and uh, to be honestly speaking, it, 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 it kind of angers me um, that women feel unsafe to even walk our streets. Yeah. Um, you know, I love I love Cork. I'm a true born Corkonian, um, and I I you know, without the fear of sounding like I'm um, giving kind of uh, uh, prejudiced advice to women as <laughs> as a man. I'm six foot five, I, I'm about 300 pounds in weight. I'm a very intimidating looking specimen. Um, but I was trained personally by a fantastic master, my master Kay. She's a, a, a Shaolin Kung Fu master here in Cork. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she, she herself is about five foot Four. She's a good, a good foot shorter than me, anyway, and she's absolutely turned me upside down and inside out. 
<laughs> and she would love nothing more than teaching anyone, man or woman, how to properly defend themselves. And you don't have to be a, a, a hulking six foot five, 300 pound man to defend yourself. Mm. And she would, I've been in class with many smaller people of both sexes and they have put me in, in holes and in locks and I've landed on my back on the ground with what they described as surprising ease shown how to do it properly and how to manage yourself properly and I think and again it's only my opinion that if women are feeling unsafe and unsure of even the ability to walk around their own town or their own city wherever they live mm. they should maybe investigate these courses they are yeah. great fun they're great social aspects because you, yeah. you make you make some wonderful friends. Yeah. And you, you'd meet an amazing person like Kay. She is, she's an American um, Irish immigrant. She's been here for quite a number of years, and she has a massive love for our country. Cool. And she has an amazing ability to show anyone. Like I said, it doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are. If you're a man or you're a female or you're somewhere in between, it yeah. really doesn't matter. Okay. She will show you the best way Excellent. to make yourself secure in yourself. All right. And we can look her up and there's probably more courses like it around the place. John, thanks for that. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And thank you for it. Uh, 1850715996. There are those who would say that a woman shouldn't have to go to self-defense classes. And indeed, they shouldn't. But in the world in which we live, it mightn't be a bad idea, says John. 1850-715-996. Right. Deirdre says, I would like to nominate my mum, Joan O'Callaghan. She's living in Bantry. And while I'd love to see her more often right now, our chats are on the phone once or twice a day and they keep us going. We may not have any news, but the contact is what's important. Mom has always been amazing and supportive to all of her family. She's gone through a bit of medical issues during lockdown, but has taken them on the chin with her usual determination. She loves Gerrard's in Douglas Court, so this voucher would be a huge treat. Thank you very much, says Deirdre McCarthy, talking about her mom, Joan O'Callaghan. Now, Joan, the clock is running. You have 60 minutes to ring us on... 1850-715-996. Joan O'Callaghan, your daughter Deirdre has nominated you for our Douglas Court Shopping Centre 100 euro voucher for Mother's Day. You need to call us at 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Do you ever have a bit of brain fog? You know, the kind of thing that you, you, you get up, you've, you've slept reasonably well, you feel quite fit and healthy, there's nothing wrong with you, you haven't got a cold, you haven't got a flu, you haven't had a hangover, the whole thing. But yet, the head isn't together with you. You don't feel like the head is 100%. And you forget things. And, and you sort of, stuff that would normally happen automatically becomes a little bit less automatic for a day. That could be brain fog. And in actual fact, it's not your imagination. It is a real thing. And it's something that can affect all of us some of the time. It affects some of us nearly all of the time. A lot of people have gone through it as a part of long COVID. And apparently the brain fog, from what I've heard, the brain fog coming out of long COVID can be quite scary. And the book out. Isn't there always a book out? There's a book out about brain fog. And it's written by Dr. Sabina Brennan, who joins me. Sabina, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. The book is called Beating Brain Fog. It can affect any of us. I mean, there are days I'd be sitting here at 12 o'clock and I think, right, that show was grand now, everything was fine. But I just didn't feel like I was here in the head. That's brain fog, isn't it? It is, it is, but uh, uh, there's kind of a bit of a distinction. We all have days, as you just described, um, you know, where we're a bit off and, you know, a good night's sleep or sorting the stress issue or, you know, taking a bit of a break sorts us out uh, and it happens occasionally. You know, um, brain fog really is a collection of symptoms um, that is more persistent, more regular and can it really interfere with your quality of life, your mm. work even, and, and even your relationships. Um, but yeah, people describe it as feeling foggy, muggy, a lack of mental clarity. 
Um, and it can be quite debilitating. And as you said, people with long COVID um, uh, have been experiencing uh, particularly debilitating brain fog. But that's not unusual in and of itself because, um, you know, you can experience it after any viral illness. Um, and it makes sense from a brain perspective because your brain is responsible for everything you do, you know, from keeping you alive to remembering, uh, you know, to pick the clothes up from the dry cleaners, whatever. But when you've been ill with something like a virus, it has to put all of its resources into keeping you alive. So remembering to pick up the dry cleaning isn't particularly important in that context. And something like a serious viral illness like covid and, um, you know, really puts stress on all of your bodily symptoms, functions, you know, your immune system um, and there's inflammation involved, etc. So that's one of the reasons. Is it a um, chemical thing? Is it, I mean, if you were to, and this sounds so simplistic and I apologise for even asking it this way, but if you were to take a slice of somebody's brain, could you yes. recognise the symptoms of brain fog in it? No, not in the brain, not like that, but it is, it is, it, it is. Well, it, it, it's structural. This is kind of kind of interesting, and I'm glad that you asked that. You know, it's a very real thing. What brain fog is really is um, it's a warning that something is amiss. Your brain's malfunctioning. It's a signal to take action. Okay, like a cough is a signal to take action. You know, if you have a cough for a day or two or even a week, you kind of go, yeah, well, look, that's bland. It's a bit of a cold. But if it persists, you really know you need to go to the doctor and try and get to the underlying cause of that cough. Same is as if you were, you know, had um, a change in your urinary frequency, you know, going to, going to the loo an awful lot more. Mm. You need to go and see if there's something wrong with your bladder or your kidneys. So the same really sort of applies in a sense with brain fog. And we know that... Um, sort of brain fog, it's not a disease itself, it's not a disorder, and it's not a diagnosis. What it is, is um, it, it can be a sign or a symptom of an underlying health condition. It can be the side effect of medication. It can be the consequence of hormonal changes or a hormonal imbalance. Um, the consequence of dietary deficiency or lifestyle factors. Right. Is so it your body telling you, I'm not right, look after me? Yes. Absolutely. It is a sign that something is amiss. Now, really, and what the reason I wrote the book is often people experience brain fog and they are concerned and they catastrophize. So, for example, women with um, menopause brain, you know, have, have, have brain fog and they're catastrophizing and worrying and concerned that they might have dementia. They are two completely different things. Um, so it is telling you that something is amiss. What my book does is try to help you um identify what might be underlying your brain fog. And that could be simply lifestyle factors, but it helps you um, to gather information about your symptoms, about the exact nature of your symptoms, because brain fog is very vague. And it's, it, you know, it, it's an umbrella term. And in the book, I help you pinpoint whether you're having language issues, memory issues, processing speed issues, what we call executive function issues. So that would be things like having problems making decisions or planning or organizing things. Even clumsiness is a signal, you know, is a symptom of brain fog. Of course fog. it is, because your, your reactions, your, your reflexes are not what they need to be, uh, which, which is why uh, yeah. you, yeah, you, you dropped you the cup of coffee. Yeah, it's space, it's spatial navigation. Yeah. So your ba brain is constantly figuring out where's that door, where unconscious to you. Yes. You know, where's that door, where's that? I need to walk between it. And when it can't do that, you'll bump into things. That's the weirdest thing that you should bring that up, Sabina, because I know sometimes 
um, if you know, you have a clumsy day yeah. where everything falls out of your hand, you yeah, drop absolutely. everything. Is that a kind of a form of brain fog? Oh, it is. It is. So wow. what you'll find is what you'll find is that if you actually look at what you've been doing up to that, you know, maybe you've had a few nights where you haven't had good sleep. Maybe you're overstressed. Maybe you've been stretching yourself. So when you ask me, can you see it in a slice of the brain? No, but you will see it in how the brain is functioning. So your your brain has 86 billion neurons in it, okay? That's brain cells. And they communicate with each other and the cells in the rest of your body by electrical and chemical signals, including, and they use neurotransmitters and hormones to communicate and, and get your body to behave in certain ways. So that's why if some hormones are out of whack, yeah. like people think of things like estrogen and testosterone as your sex hormones, and they associate them with things like reproduction, um, you know, sex or um, breastfeeding. But you have receptors for estrogen and testosterone in your brain. You have it in the emotional part of your brain. You have it in various parts mm. of your brain. So if if your if your levels are off, are changing and fluctuating, then your behaviours will change and fluctuate. Mm. Um, so this is like the red light on the dashboard. It kind of is. Something isn't I, right. Something isn't right. And it's, the thing is, I don't want to alarm people. Okay, so a lot of people will know. So the underlying health conditions, there's some very common underlying health conditions that are associated with brain fog. And anybody who has an autoimmune immune disease will know what I'm talking about. So that would be like lupus or Sjogren's. Anyone who has inflammatory or chronic diseases, like, you know, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, people call it even fibro fog, um, you know, uh, Crohn's disease, any of those chronic conditions are commonly associated with brain fog. Similarly, and unfortunately, and the medications used to treat some of those issues, including um, pain medications, can also have a side effect that interferes with your cognitive yeah. functioning. Um, and, and you'll often see that in the side effects of certain medications. So, for example, depression and anxiety are associated with brain fog. And, and, and some medications for those will impact on that. Um, essentially, really, what you're kind of looking at there is in a way, it's a resource issue to some extent. Your brain has to focus on the, you know, the inflammation or the immune response is taking up resources and, you know, it's it's not free enough, um, you know, for you to engage in activities. But also then there's an, that imbalance, say, that I mentioned with the hormones um, or with a dietary deficiency. If you've got a vitamin B12 deficiency or an iron deficiency or a folate deficiency, your brain needs all of those to function properly. Okay. So you will experience brain fog. But for the most part, for most people, and a lot of people are experiencing what I'm sort of calling pandemic brain or lockdown brain. Yeah. And that's really because of the lifestyle changes that we have sort of been forced on us. So we're in a state of chronic stress, most of us. And actually, you do see the impact structurally in terms of chronic stress in your brain. Because the part, if you've chronically stressed, the part of your brain responsible for learning and memory shrink. Right. And the part of your brain responsible for fear and the fight or flight response actually gets bigger. Crikey. And the part of your brain responsible for decision making and actually overriding that fear response, you know, sort of coming in rationally and saying, you know, dampen down that release of cortisol. It's all right. I don't need to be 
stressed over this. There's nothing to turn and fight or flee from. That all also shrinks. And what I mean by shrinking is it does get smaller. Um, the brain has this fabulous capacity um, to grow new brain cells and new connections between them. And we call that neuroplasticity. And unfortunately, when you're chronically stressed, that is suppressed in your the hippocampus and the front part of your brain, but it's accelerated in your fear centers. This, this is no. all very fascinating stuff. The, the, the book, which I stress from all the reviews, the, the book is written in a very simple style because it's, it's, to, it's, it's layman's language as to how you understand. That's my style. Look, I went to university at the age of 42, did my degree, did a PhD, and it really struck me, having sort of lived in the real world, that I'd learned how to write these academic papers in a really obtuse language. And I also discovered that there was a lot of information about how you can, um, you know, boost brain health around these issues like brain fog that wasn't accessible to the general public and most people didn't know about it. So I sort of made it my mission and my passion Mm -hmm. to translate this kind of information into really easy to understand information um, for people. My first book was about 100 Days to a Younger Brain, so that was about reducing your risk of dementia. This one here is really to empower people because I've experienced brain fog myself as a consequence of hormone changes, but also I have an autoimmune disease and I have migraine. Uh, they're all associated with brain fog. And, you know, a doctor might be sympathetic, but they tend not to give you um, strategies or solutions um, to beat your brain fog. And the good news is that you really can. Good. Through certain lifestyle changes, you can clear that fog. And even if you don't have fog, if the book has a 30-day plan. Even if you don't have brain fog, if you adopt the 30-day plan, you can actually just optimize your brain function. You know, so I kind of say you can transform your everyday brain into a super brain. You know, you can really make your brain function well, better. It, it is a powerful machine. And if we ever use more than an eighth of its power in our lifetimes, we'd have done an awful lot, which is what science tells us. You know, it's us. mad. Like you brush your teeth twice a day and you go to the dentist every six months. What in God's name do you do to look after your brain? And it is your most important organ. You know, so that's kind of one of the wake up messages in the book is to just get you. If you look after your brain, it will look after you. All right. Listen, and that's a good point at which to leave it. Thank you for your time today, Dr. Sabina Brennan, a neuroscientist and the author of Brain Fog, Beating Brain Fog. Fascinating. 18, you could, you could spend all day talking about the science of the brain. You still wouldn't get to half it. 1850-715-996. Now. Let me go to Deirdre. Uh, where are you? Is it line one or line two? Nine, two. Hi, Deirdre. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How now, are you? Now, you sent in that lovely message about mum. When, when did you last see her? Um, As in physically see her, like? Christmas. We, luckily, we managed to get down there for Christmas um, at the insistence of my three adult nearly daughters. Now, um, Christmas isn't Christmas unless we're spending it with them Yes. in Bantry. So um, it would have been Christmas... We were down there. Well, we had the, we, we, we were able to travel for a few days over the Christmas exactly. as well. Exactly, and thankfully everyone got through it unscathed. We were a bit nervous that yeah. we might bring something home or whatever, but no. Um, um, and so how has Mum's health been? Um, very good. She's managing it now. Um, a little bit of diabetes, but she's she's doing a super job and good. managed to abstain from lots of sweet things over Christmas, which was great, that's impo- uh, that's very hard. That's very that takes great discipline. Especially when she makes the most amazing apple pies. 
<laughs> well, maybe the next time she comes to, to Frankfield, she'll bring one with her. Oh, uh, I'm sure she will. Uh, the, the, the day she comes up to, to Douglas Court. Hello, Joan. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Say, say hello to your daughter. Hi, Mom. Hi, darling. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, nobody will enjoy spending it more than I will. Good, good, she, good, good. She sent in a, a lovely know. message about you. You have a favourite shop in Douglas Court, have you, Joan? I have indeed, Gerard's. Mm. Right, and you'll be popping in there so with your hundred euro voucher as soon as you can. And it, my daughter with me to advise me. <laughs> and probably granddaughters as well. She knows only too well what they're like. <laughs> it's been it's been hard, Joan, hasn't it? Well, I suppose we're very lucky in that. We live in Bantry, and we have some lovely walks within the 5K mm. and safe walks. Listening to your programme this morning, my God, it frightened the daylights out of anybody. Yeah. But we're, we're very lucky. We live in a lovely part of the country. We've oh, plenty of fresh air. Yeah, you live in you live in one of part of God's own country, West oh, Cork. Definitely, yeah. definitely. All right, listen. Uh, when you see each other again, you'll you'll have a great celebration. But the hundred euro voucher is oh, yours, Joan. A lovely surprise in the morning, and thank you so much. Absolutely delighted. Stay on the line, you both of you. We need to just clarify some addresses and numbers and stuff. But that's uh, Joan O'Callaghan in Bantry and Deirdre McCarthy in uh, Frankfield. Mum and daughter, daughter nominated mum for our giveaway today with Douglas Court. 100 euro voucher. We'll do another one in the next hour. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Just spotted something there online. We're going to check in the background. But, um, no, look, it seems like fairly obvious anyway that it would be happening. But it looks as if Live at the Marquee is gone for a second year in a row. Do you remember last year? Uh, it was quite late on they announced that Live at the Marquee 2020 was cancelled because of Covid they rebooked pretty much all gigs like at least over half the gigs were rebooked for this summer well sorry to say that the Live at the Marquee has just announced a booking for John Bishop comic John Bishop for June of 2022 so that is making me suspicious that 2021 may be gone by the board only that they haven't announced it yet and we're going to see if we can find out more from making promotions has a decision been made on live at the marquee 2023 look it looks fairly obvious that it won't go ahead we're not going to be anywhere like out of this in time but uh, to just have it confirmed i suppose a little bit sad but inevitable i said where we'll we'll see if we can find out 1850-715-996 the number to call the text or WhatsApp 83 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie if you missed anything in our first couple of hours remember that podcast available in the afternoon the whole show podcast goes up on Twitter and then to all the various platforms and the Cork's 96FM app the whole show condensed 1850-715-996 on petrol yeah seem to have struck a nerve with that one petrol has gone through the roof now this message says ah the reason for the price of petrol going up is it's less of it being sold not quite the price of a barrel of oil and I don't know how much is in a barrel I've been trying to figure out for years how much is in an actual barrel of oil you know these million barrels of oil that they're um, 
bringing up every day and yeah how much is it a barrel like you put out the back for rain and that anyway the price of a barrel of oil has shot up uh, in the last few weeks or months I knew he'd know I might have known he'd know Fergal Barry tells me that a barrel of oil is approximately 160 litres thank you sir petrol and diesel uh, petrol and diesel very good prices on Borey Manor Road the Maxall garage there and also the South Link Road there's one in Toker just near Cork Builders Providers another one another one don't know the name of the garage neither do I but I do know the garage the Amber on the Bandon Road but prices have generally gone up around the place because the price of a barrel has uh, has gone up as well I'm going to hold over on your comments on Holly from earlier on because um, a lot of people agreeing with her a lot of people not so much uh, but I certainly found that talking to her last night was was an education 1850-715-996 right another chance to nominate your mum for our special giveaway in association with Douglas Court to make her mother's day what I need you to do is nominate your mum tell us why she deserves a 100 euro Douglas Court shopping voucher obviously tell us who she is where she is and why she deserves a 100 euro shopping voucher from Douglas Court and then what will happen is we'll pick one, we'll read the nomination, and mom needs to be listening. Then she's got to call us to claim her prize. And we did it there a while ago. Great fun, great fun last hour. And we'll do it again before midday. Uh, showing some Mother's Day love with gifts from Douglas Court Shopping Centre. Listen and win today only on Cork's 96FM. There's more on the barrel of oil. Thank you. Fergal at the Executive Research Desk doing the work of six people. Oil has gone from $47 a barrel in January to $67 a barrel today. It's going up faster than the price of shares in Zoom. Crikey, that's why. Okay, okay. Something to watch over the weekend. And we started doing this on a Friday for something to sit down and watch while we're all in, in lockdown. I started on this yesterday. I've only had an episode or two of it. I'm absolutely just nailed into it. It's a ten-parter on on HBO, and I think it's on Now TV and Sky and all of those. This is an absolute stormer, Your Honor, uh, starring Brian Cranston, him from Breaking Bad. He, he stars as a judge uh, whose son has a horrific traffic accident and kills the son of a mobster I mean it is the stuff of which Brian Cranston television shows are made Shirley O'Donovan good morning good morning PJ how are you good I'm only two episodes in but I'm nailed in for the night it's brilliant now I'm a massive fan of his anyway and, I am and as well yeah. yeah I could watch anything do you know why just the voice alone the, yeah and the, I don't think I don't think that anyone does kind of this conflicted character quite like Brian Cranston. No, no. You he's know, made he, for it. He is made for it. And I think it's probably, he's been compared, this role has been compared with Walter White in that kind of confliction. Mm. But this is very fast-paced. I think Breaking Bad was a much slower, a slow burn um, series. Yeah. But because this is a 10-parter, it's really hard-hitting and fast-paced. Yeah. Now, it's not for the faint-hearted. No, 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 they don't shy away from from a bit of gruesome, um, uh, you know, dark moments. 
like I was sitting, <laughs> I sat down to watch the first couple of episodes yesterday afternoon, having had it on the to watch list for ages, <laughs> and I made myself a coffee and then a biscuit on the on the knee, and I sat down. And when the car crash came, the coffee went on the wall. Yeah, it's it's very well done, and it's kind of you know I think it kind of balances. There's a lot of moments where you relax a bit, and then you're you're bucked up in your seat again straight away. It's brilliantly made, made by HBO, ten parter, and there isn't going to be there isn't going to be a series two. They've ruled it out. Well, I I don't know that they've entirely ruled it out because the the series that it's been based on, which is an Israeli TV series, has had a second season. Yes, I was reading that this morning. So I think, you know, it's even though you can, if you've watched the whole thing, if you've watched it on Now TV, you can watch the entire series. Obviously, it's, it's airing at the moment on, on Sky Atlantic, but um, it, you can see how there may be a second season, but you can also see how they can tie it off as just that mini series of 10 episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. And it's 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 a, it's a all the episodes are between about 50 minutes and about an hour and a bit long. Yeah, and I think... It just goes to show as well when you have a cast of what they have in this series where you don't really know everybody, but you don't have to because no. having Brian Cranston is enough that it pulls all the actors together in it a real strong performances. The basic storyline is, as, as I said there in the introduction, it, he is a judge. He plays a judge mm-hmm. who lost his wife recently, um, but his son is involved in a horrific car accident. Right, and yeah. it's a hit and run. And when mm-hmm. initially the judge says, right, we've got to turn yourself in and we'll do what we can and all of this. Then he discovers that it was the son of a local mobster, one of the most dangerous crime lords in the city. The whole cha- the whole thing changes tack. And that's where we leave it because that would be that's a spoiler. That's where we leave it. Yeah. And I think, you know, if there's this environment created in the first couple of episodes where... You can see, you know, that it's going to become a very a big web of deceit and lies mm. and, you know, an environment of everybody keeping secrets, not being able to trust anybody, but being in so deep to protect his child. Yes, yes. The, but the, it's the, the, the bond between father and child. It is, and it is fantastic the way it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. It's it's real. It's one of these ones. It's a standout one because I think a lot of people don't want to commit to seven and eight seasons of things. Um, we did that in the first lockdown, maybe, and now they're hopping between you know these ten parters, six parters, these these tight storylines, mm. fast paced, and you can watch it over two nights or one night, however it suits you. Because in a way, that, that that in a way was what spoiled Breaking Bad for me. The, 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 yeah. you could have done Breaking Bad in three seasons. You didn't need you as much. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it went but, on. And, you know, people are watching things like I'm rewatching Vikings at the moment. We've rewatched The Sopranos. But, like, they're all very long running things. And sometimes things like Your Honor are nice to hop in, one quick, you know, watch it over the weekend yeah. and you move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's another one now. And I have the first episode ready to go. And I, I'm, I'm going to do it off the download, off the player, because I can't be, I can't, I, I'm, I'm get, I can't, I can't be arsed watching ads. <laughs> Unfortunately, <Yeah>. anymore <laughs> smother. It was this was the big RTE's big build drama series for the springtime. Now I haven't seen That's it right. yet, but it's about family secrets, which of course make for great drama. How is it going down, Shirley? Oh my God, this is huge! Like it's one of these ones that you're going to be drawn in straight away. It's a real naughty plot. So the first episode of this aired last Sunday night on RTE. So if, you ha- if you've missed it, you can catch up on the player and it'll be on, the second episode will air this Sunday night. So you have this 
exposition of the first episode where you're introduced to this huge cast of characters. You have a murder and you have loads of real strong Irish actors, a real naughty introduction that you just know is going to be teased out over the next five episodes. So you have uh, Dervla Kerwin in this, so we would have seen her at Ballet Angel, but yeah. more recently uh, we saw her in The Stranger on Netflix. Um, we yes, have, yeah, I knew I knew her. I knew yeah. I knew her, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so you have uh, you also have Shauna Kerslick, who's a young Irish actress. Um, she would have been seen in Stephanie Pryser's uh, Can't Cope, Won't Cope. But right. she is a breakthrough. This is a breakthrough performance in this, I think. Um, you see you see people like Hilary Rhodes from The Young Offenders. Yeah. It's one of these things, you know, the way you watch an Irish TV show and you're like, oh, there's your one from that. Oh, That's there's right. your man from that. And, and sometimes, sometimes that can spoil it. It, it doesn't do it here because it's such a strong, they're a real strong ensemble cast and you have this mystery of the murder at the beginning and there's going to be a lot of secrets on earth that you're going to see coming in the next few episodes. Real complex relationships, um, loads going on here and written by a Cork woman, a Bantry writer called Kate O'Riordan. So yeah. it's great to see somebody um, writing a real strong drama for RCE. She worked on Mr. Selfridge. So it's great to see her writing for RCE. Now, you should mention Mr. Selfridge. I'm finishing, the, the wife has seen the whole lot three or four times, but we're presently finishing series four of Mr. Selfridge and have a, an episode or two left. Is that on any platform? Because that's a brilliant show that people would just binge on. It's great. I don't know. Is it, maybe it could be on Now TV, but it's definitely not on Netflix as far as I'm aware. But that's a really good one. I think that people overlooked first time around. They did. I uh, it was something did. that went, I think the timing of it was wrong because it was on and around Downton Abbey time when everyone was consumed with Downton. And I think Mr. Selfridge went under the radar a little bit. Brilliant performance with Jeremy Piven in that as well and a great ensemble cast and just beautiful. Catherine Kelly shot. is in it and she's extraordinary. Yeah, just And I just think beautifully shot, you know, beautiful cinematography, cast, um, costumes, set design, everything works Characters really well. Characters you love and love to hate. Yeah, he's and he, I was very torn about him, I, and I'm not a huge fan of Jeremy Piven as an actor, but I think he plays it really well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he is, and if you can find another one uh, that I was recommending to people recently, and I went back on it myself over the first couple of seasons, lockdowns, is Bosch on Amazon. Oh, that's one that I haven't seen, but I've seen it advertised. I recommend it. Oh, I recommend. Okay. There's six series. They're making a seventh. Titus Welliver as Harry Bosch. You would have thought you would have said the bet not the, if you've read the books, you'd say, Christ, is that really the right casting? It's brilliant. It's okay. really, really so, great. But you see, the watch lists are longer than any other to do list oh, we have in our stop. lives. Oh, isn't it great? <laughs> but isn't it great to have it? God, what would we have done if we had locked down 10 years ago without all these different places to find good telly? And things to go back on. And I think, you know, like I've watched, I'm watching This Is Us as well on Amazon, which is another excellent one. Um, more probably for the girls than for the lads, but um, you mm. have Milo Ventimiglia and this, you have Mandy Moore, uh, Justin Hartley, and it's a kind of um, interweaving sto- family stories and kind of in the story has been told through flashbacks from past to present and the effect of the actions of the parents on a child. Mm. Um, and it's just it, like that, I think, five seasons, not not a hard watch, but something that I missed out on when it came out first. Mm. And I'm really enjoying it now. So, Is, is there a new are, season of You coming? Yes, I think there is a new season of You, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a creepy one. 
that was a weird one and not one that I was I enjoyed the first season but not so much the second yeah I'm with you on that first one's yeah. brilliant second one fell very flat yeah. they'll have to do a lot to save it yeah yeah and I think there was too much work I think the, the first one was such a hit they had a lot to do to live up for the second season which they probably weren't expecting because it was one of those surprise hits Um, and it just never lived up to it some things just tend to fizzle out a bit you know you watch them and then you start going off them as the series progresses like like, like we said with Breaking Bad it dragged out too long yeah exactly exactly but I think one of the best side notes from Breaking Bad was the spin-off series of Better Call Saul yes yes I wasn't a huge fan but it was watchable it was, and I think it was probably, he was a character in the main show, the only person that could have had his own story to tell. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. Um, so I think that was kind of one of, the, one of the good side effects of Breaking Bad, but I do think it could have been, as you say, a, a three-season um, series and, and leave it at that. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it, I would, and I, I'm sure you would also heartily recommend, it's another one of these ones you can watch in a, in a weekend, Queen's Gambit. Oh my God, one of the best I've seen this year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge TV show. And something that, if when you read the description of it, you would say, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't like know chess. I, be I don't know about chess. No, it's brilliant. Exactly. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, 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 and the great soundtrack. Very edgy TV show, really well made, very sharp in its depiction of timeline as well. Yes. You know, the, the passage of time is so, so well depicted in this. Yeah. The set, the, everything about it. There's, there's so much to watch. And thankfully, at the weekends, we don't have anything else to do now, except maybe watch a bit of telly. So listen, good good to talk to you, Shirley. Thanks very much. That's Shirley O'Donovan. Um, I would recommend strongly that you watch Your Honour, uh, not for the faint-hearted. Smother, I must look at uh, over the weekend. If you can find Mr. Selfridge... It's a homedinger, an absolute homedinger. And I have to say that the Queen Bee was watching it for ages and trying to get me to watch it, and I wasn't into it, but it's it's a homedinger. Uh, the Stranger from Harlan Coben on Netflix, highly recommend that. Uh, Unforgotten is back on ITV, season four of that. That's good too. There's so much good telly out there. There's no need to be bored. 1850-715-996. Right, we have selected... Competition winners. Let's see if we can get them. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Okay, we had a slew of entries, as you would expect, for our Mother's Day giveaway with uh, Douglas Court. And we've, again, selected a nomination. All right. This comes in from Katie, who is in Mill Street. And she said, I would love this voucher for my mother, Catherine O'Callaghan. She really is the best mom she could be. Being a nurse myself on the front line, she's been the best support anyone could ask for. She helped the four kids throughout the homeschooling while also ensuring everyone else in the house was okay. She's the first to listen to when you have a problem and before you know it, she has a solution and a cup of tea in front of you. What more can a daughter 
ask for. If you recognise yourself, Catherine O'Callaghan of Mill Street Way, do give us a call at 1857 You have 60 minutes. Well, <laughs> you're actually about 34 minutes because we're finished at 12 o'clock, but you know what I mean. Get on the phone, Catherine O'Callaghan of Mill Street Way. You'll be nominated by your daughter for a 100 euro voucher for Douglas Court Shopping Centre, but you need to call us. 1857 Another one. Pat says, watch The Angel based on a true story. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for that. Kevin started watching Bosch. He's just into season two. Uh, yeah. And, and you know what? One of the biggest stars of Bosch is the house. Oh, my God, the house. Now, as we head into another weekend of lockdown, week number uh, 372, I think, we're all trying to be creative because there's no restaurants to go to and you can only do so much uh, from takeaway. Um, it's lovely, but, you know, you want to try and do a bit of cooking at home as well. And try and be a bit more creative. Now, this from a man who, who struggles to boil water, but at the same time, I will try. Uh, I can't wait for barbecue season to start in a couple of weeks' time because that's the one thing I can do without killing people is barbecue. But... You know, you go around the supermarket and, and you're looking for some inspiration. You're thinking, no, no, not another Spagpal. And no, no, not, e- not even, no, not, not another. But you need something, right? Um, Elkie O'Mahony from Bia Sosta has a few ideas for us that might inspire us. One I know you like is coconut milk. And we discovered that, Elkie, as a secret ingredient in curry quite a while ago in Coogan Towers. Morning. Hi, Peter, how are you? Good to talk to you again. Coconut milk in, in a curry adds an, an added zing. Oh, it's beautiful in a curry, and it gives you also kind of the consistency that you would normally only get with cream. Yeah. But obviously, coconut milk is much healthier. But you can also make amazing ice cream from it. Can or, you? Oh, but yeah, absolutely. And you can make wonderful desserts. Like I, for example, uh, put in gelatine. Right. added some uh, frozen fruit kind of that I mashed up right. and I had a beautiful jelly, coconut jelly Right, right, right My, my daughter's, my, my daughter's <laughs> mad into making new things with, with, with strange ingredients <laughs> I, I, I can't give her or my wife credit for the, the coconut milk and the curry but I'm one, of the, one of them made a curry one weekend and I love my curry and I was like, What's, what, is, what is in this that was in, in it before? Yeah, no, coconut milk is, is a great, great ingredient for curries. And if you go to the southern top part of India, they use uh, mostly coconut milk for, for, for their base of sauces and so on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's brilliant. No, it's absolutely beautiful. You've been looking so at other stuff too. Oh, yeah, but there's, there's loads in the supermarket at the moment. And supermarkets are getting more uh, adventurous as well and offering different things now as well. Obviously, sometimes it's uh, difficult with the Brexit part and, and the lockdown part, but we have some really nice things that we can actually try. One would be, for example, uh, get red lentils. They're cheap. They're easy to prepare. You can make a lovely stain with Indian cuisine. A dal. Oh, you I know? love dal. Oh, God, it's beautiful. Put loads of garlic in and so on, and you have a beautiful side dish. Or even just, you know, when you sit in front of the telly and you just want to nip on something. Yeah, you, I've eaten dal for breakfast in India. Oh, yeah. And you just dip in some, some, some lovely bread and quite yeah. uh, Bob is your uncle, you know. But you can also make beautiful soups from it. Can you? Oh, God, yeah. Red lentil soup, beautiful. Yeah. Bit of chilli in to give it a kick. 
Mm. Oh, God, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And the wonderful thing as well is when you when you blend it, it creates a creamy consistency again, so you don't need actually anything to, else with it. Oh. But saying this now, coconut milk goes very nicely with it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are edamama beans? Edamame beans are kind of so, very young soybeans. Okay. And you can either have them in the pot. You get them actually in Japanese restaurants right, a lot. Right, right, right. And uh, you can either eat them in the pot, um, in steam it, cook it, or you can have the beans. And the beans are beautiful in, in salads and so on. But the way the Japanese, and I ate it actually in, um, you know, the, the, the wonderful Indian um, takeaway up in, in, in Barrack Street, what um, Tashiko's place? I forgot the name now. Got I'm really bad. That shows how long I haven't been out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I just thinking now, uh, Elke, of people heading along, yeah. uh, along this afternoon. They've, they've, they've thought right. We're going to do up a curry now, but we're going to go and get some coconut milk because they were yeah. talking about it on, on on the radio. Where would you get coconut milk in in Duns or Supermar or Tesco or Supervay? You would you would get it actually in the. Uh, what I call the ethnic aisle, so where you have the uh, the Italian food, the Chinese food, and so on. Okay. So it's it's a can. You get it in can. Yes. Yes. And ev- I, I haven't seen a supermarket that hasn't got. Uh, even Aldi has uh, uh, coconut milk now. Mm. You know, you can get kind of the full fat or the low fat. I personally prefer the full fat. Oh yeah. It gives oh, yeah. more substance. You know. To but, help with the low uh, fat for this one, you need. The- <laughs> <laughs> But it, you get it everywhere, you know, and uh, they come in, in, I think it's 450 grams of, of tin. Mm. And you make a beautiful curry for four of them. Yeah, you use the whole tin. You, yeah, um, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the wonderful thing as well is with the curry, you, you, first of all, it's warming. And the weather that we have at the moment, you need something comforting that gives you kind of a hug from the inside. And the curry is wonderful. And you can recook it the next day, you heat it the next day, it's even better. <laughs> Absolutely. If you make enough curry and it's sitting there till the next day, for some whatever, all the everything melding inside in the pot overnight, and you heat it up again, it's it's even better the second time round. Oh, totally, totally. Oh God, yeah. But we also have things like uh, um, same with Asian food. Now we have daikon, and I have seen it actually, and I can't remember what What's supermarket. What's that called? Daikon. 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 Daikon is an Asian radish. It's quite large. It's quite big. Right. And it looks more like a parsnip almost, you know. But it's a sharp, it's a very sharp uh, taste to it. And you can have it raw in salads. Right. And you can have it cooked in stir fries or, or stews even, you know. So um, very versatile. And it gives kind of this, this, this sharp edge to a dish, which is beautiful. Right, right. I had a lovely idea. I got a lovely idea recently for a stir fry um, but with fish in it. That you, okay. you you put the obviously stir frying is very fast, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. on a high, you, you you do the fish, cook off the fish in the wok first. Yeah. Right. Then fire in your stir fry stuff, and yeah. flash stir fry the whole thing. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. Oh, it, I came out. I love stir fry with prawns in it. That's beautiful as well. Absolutely. And the wonderful thing is with with stir fry, there is no rule to it. Yeah. You can put in whatever you like. Oh, absolutely. Just. You know, and once for if you can get it, for example, one nice addition to this would have been uh, uh, bonito flakes. Mm. Bonito flakes is dried fish flakes um, that are slightly smoked, mm-hmm. and you can you can sprinkle it over. You, the, the, the Japanese make dashi stuff. Yeah, in there. yeah. 
Um, but it's also nice if you just flake it over over rice, for example, mm. or in, in this case, put it in the, uh, towards the end into the stir fry. Yeah. It gives us umami uh, flavor, yeah, which is really, really good, I have mm. to say. It lifts a whole lot up. My, my daughter is a devil for putting chili flakes into everything. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. Listen, always good to talk to you, Elke. I love your description of a, of, a, of, a hurry, of, a, of a curry as, as, a, as a hug from the inside. <laughs> I, I love that. Thanks very much, Elke. Elke O'Mahony from Bia Sosta. Just try something. And if you are making curry, stick in some coconut milk. Trust me on the coconut milk. 185715996. Uh, on petrol, uh, the government should introduce... Price controls. Anytime it was done, it worked outside of the oil crisis. You always hear about the queues in the oil crisis. That was a different situation. But it was done at other times in the 80s in Ireland, and it's still done in many parts of the world. Price controls. Uh, on television, Shanti says there's a ten-parter of Lock and Key. That's L-O-C-K-E and Key on Netflix. Show you can watch with the kids. A little bit spooky, but you can watch it with the teenagers. Also a movie called The Map of Tiny Little Things on Amazon Prime. And White Tiger is another movie on Netflix. That's a recommendations coming. I love this now on a Friday. Recommendations of things to watch on the telly. The Angel is based on a true story. Do you know what I discovered? You'll, you'll laugh. I'd never watched it. I was flicking around the other night on the various streams and channels and I said I've never actually seen Killing Eve and I started oh brilliant it's great The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see this is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Mags heard me mentioning barbecues and she said, Remember the freezing weather a few weeks back? Himself went out and sparked up our barbecue at the height of it. He's a lunatic. <laughs> I hope it was charcoal and not gas. I am a big charcoal fan, Mike. But the heat off charcoal in the middle of the winter would be lovely. But no, I'm not mad enough to do that. To do that. Actually, I need to get myself a new barbecue. My old barbecue went in the skip. It was just burnt out. Um, and on the curry, the second day round, Mary Jane, not quite. You've got a point there. The second day, you just have to heat it and eat it. It's true. But inciting that pot overnight, something has been happening. You can be sure of it. Come here, Saturday, if you do have a big bowl of curry, you might eat it while you're listening to the Premier League Live, exclusively online and powered by TalkSport. Trevor and the crew are back with Leeds versus Chelsea at 12.30, Crystal Palace v West Brom at 3, Everton against Burnley at half five, and Fulham against Manchester City at 8. Another long and busy day with Trevor and the team, the best interviews, the best analysis, and the best score predictions before it all starts. And their their record, their track record in getting their score predictions right is pretty damn awesome, I may tell you. It's the Premier League Live online with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass and listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed go to 96FM.ie We do not know what is happening when it comes to the easing of restrictions. We are hoping against hope that they will start to ease after November 5th 
or November 5th, April 5th, November 5th, dear Lord, April 5th, we hope that they will start to ease. Now, during the week, speaking in the Dáil, the Taoiseach said they'd have to be very careful about it. This variant, the B117, spreads much more rapidly and um, that is what is informing, yes, a very conservative and cautious approach to what is allowed and what is not allowed and the restrictions that have been put in place. You know, if we lose, let the guard down too quickly and this variant gets control again, it will spread very rapidly. In the week leading into the 5th, we will um, have this situation reviewed. We'll take advice from public health um, and we will um, then advise in terms of what we believe is the best way forward for the following um, six weeks. One of the things that seems very likely to happen now is because so many residents and staff in nursing homes have been vaccinated, that we're going to be allowed to have two visits per week to someone in a nursing home. Catherine Mahan Buckley, uh, you'll get a chance to see mom, and it's been a long time coming. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks so much for taking the call. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled. How, how is she, by the way? She's doing okay. She has turned a little bit of a corner. We had, about three weeks ago, we were like informed that it was end of lifetime, and oh. it was shocking because we couldn't get in, we couldn't be there. Now, they did give us a compassionate leave, and I'm like, I really want to stress all the time here, I'm not blaming or I'm not cross or I'm not anxious about the nursing homes. I am. I just feel that somewhere along the line, we lost total control of all of this and we we didn't regard them like they're human beings. Okay, we were saying we locked, we, they're down in lockup or what down and, and that they're safe. But we isolated them and we took them away from our families. And I know we talk about the children, our young children, but we must remember, PJ, you have your family at home, so they see you, they touch you, mm. they feel you. Mm. You know, like they're they're human beings. You know, because they're aged, they're not they're not something that we can put into a box and say, oh yeah, they're being looked after. They were being looked after physically, mm. mentally, emotionally. I keep saying spiritually, but look, I suppose we could go on and on. Have we learned something? I think they're the people that have suffered the most in mm. this. Yeah. More than anybody else, because, and I know, like, I run a business myself, and I know that businesses and everything, and all my biggest concern now is, yes, the two visits will make such a difference. <laughs> um, will it bring people back? I I doubt it, but look, we have... Has she had her vaccine, Catherine? She has. She has. Great. And she was having her, the second one was when she was very ill, and they had doubt that they could give it to her. But my mother, I suppose, really being the stoic woman that she always has been right through her life. On the Wednesday, we were told she, she was too ill to have the vaccine. And whether they, she must have overheard it and thought, I'm going to turn the corner. Because by Friday, when the vaccine was there, they phoned me to say she's able for the vaccine. So she's had her two vaccines now, do you know? And that's, that's fantastic. But I, all I'm pleading is that I don't want that this carrot will be dangled and then suddenly, like what you were saying there with the Taoiseach saying, we have to be careful. We cannot go back to saying, oh, we have to stop the visits. Yeah. Well, I think, to, to be fair, and I've, I've given the, the Taoiseach and the government a, a kicking now and again over certain elements of it, but I, I have to say I'm in agreement with them that we've got to be so, so careful. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And we have to prioritise what is more important and take it step by step. But if we're taking this step, which is wonderful on the 23rd of March, that we will be able to hold on to that step. That we can't, like, it's fine for us to say, oh, well, you know, if, if, if it's come back out, that we have to close them back down again. But you're closing back down people who won't understand yes, and who won't compromise this and who will feel, what did I do wrong again? Mm. What What's after happening to me? You know, and we must remember that most families in residential care have not seen any member of their family since the 25th of December. That will be actually three months since since then and like that is you know it's I just feel it's inhuman I just I keep I saying it is so inhuman mm. but look we, we we have to kind of I suppose care do you know I keep thinking a like, nice present from Mother's Day isn't it though that you will get to see her soon I will I will and it's a lovely present to get but we must move on from this PJ do you know in the sense of we must say what happened what did we do wrong here? How did we get and say what we can fix? Because what I be, my biggest fear is that because of the, and I don't blame the residential care because they are under guidelines and we must make that very clear. They are under guidelines and they have to be stuck with them. But I remember going back in my teaching day when we were, you know, when there was a, a strike, but we were in the school, if you remember, and pupils were outside. Teachers have never come back from that as such, because they always get a kind of a desperate bashing. Where, and, and it's the same, I'd be afraid that residential care will get a terrible bashing and the very good people in there, you know, won't get the, the yeah. salute that they should yeah. get. Yeah, and you know, you know what, That's, that, those are very, very fair words and, and thank you so much for speaking. Please give our regards uh, to your lovely mom, Catherine, and, and our best to you and the rest of the family. Spoken to me many times over the last few months about having someone in a nursing home and just really wanting desperately to get in and see them and be with them. That's Catherine Mahan, Buckley from Canada. Thank you so much, Catherine. 1850 Follow on, just looking at the official Twitter of Live at the Marquee. Remember I mentioned that they were advertising a John Bishop show for June 2022. Well, the official Twitter, which is LATM official of Live at the Marquee, pretty much as we expected. We are working to reschedule Live at the Marquee for 2022. Some shows have already been rescheduled and we'll bring you more updates on a show-by-show basis. Thank you for your patience. So we are now preparing... We kind of knew we would be, but we are now preparing for Live at the Marquee 2022. <sighs> Sad, but what else can you do? 1850-715-996. John Morgan from the Boys and Girls of Knocker coming up to Mother's Day. You have been active with the pen and paper, sir. Yes, PJ, I have. And as you said there, through the Boys and Girls of Knocker page, and James Toomey, they've given me a great outlet here with my poetry. And to be fair, in the last two years, PJ, I've got amazing feedback, you know. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's where it brings me now to today, mm. you know, that I can uh, get my poems out there. And again, this poem is, is all about Mother's Day. Would you like to read it for us? I would. It's, it's for all the mothers out there, and it's called A Mother's Love. Go ahead. A mother's love is no surprise through her son's or daughter's eyes. A mother's love is immeasurable. It's quite incredible. A mother's love reaches deep within her heart, 
right from the very start. A mother's love is quite unique as she intently listened to your first heartbeat. A mother's love is warmer than the sunniest of days. Her love for you never waves. A mother's love you really appreciate when you have children of your own as you realise it's not so easy at times, it's quite tough going. A mother's love you should cherish every day and never let a silly word get in the way. A mother's love is a bond that's deep within such a beautiful thing. A mother's love can never be replaced if she's gone, but remember in your heart, every day she lives on. A mother's love, what a gift for her to bestow in our lives as we continually grow. A mother's love I do cherish no more and more each day. I love you more than I can ever say. That's lovely, John. That's lovely. That's lovely and beautiful for the Friday that's in it. Thank you very much for be, for doing that for us. That's John Morgan, local poet, and he publishes his stuff a lot through Boys and Girls at Knocker, which is one of my favourite pages on all of Facebook. I can't say that often enough. Speaking of mothers, just one or two things to do, I need to deal with a father now, and this is Jerome O'Sullivan. Now, we don't normally do these, but it's a roundy birthday, and it's a big roundy birthday. Jerome is in Ballinlock, a man I know well for many years. He's 90 today. All the best from Ken and Imelda, from Anne-Marie, from Imelda, from Brian and David and Kevin and Emma, and his countless adoring nephews, nieces and friends. Of course, other son Paul in there too. Don't forget that. We all wish we could give him the celebration he deserves. And uh, that's from Ken uh, who is in Ashbourne in County Meath and so, so wanted to be with his dad today for his 90th birthday. But look, it can't happen. Um, there'll be a Zoom call. And uh, happy birthday, happy roundy 90th to Jerome. Uh, 1850-715-996. Right, let me go to line one. Uh, Katie, you nominated your mum. Hi, yeah. Okay, tell me a bit about her. Yeah, she's just great. She's been so supportive to me the whole time. And then I have a brother that's uh, in college and she's just great to him. She's a great support to have at home in these times. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you're on the front line. Yeah, I'm nursing. It's a difficult year. She's been there for you right throughout. Oh, yeah, always. Mm. Homeschooling the lads and making sure you were all all right. Yeah, she's kept busy. Makes a decent cup of tea. Oh, uh, the best cup of tea. <laughs> Is there ever a cup of tea like your mother's cup of tea? Never, never. Uh, let's, let's see now, because we called her out there and we said we, we, we put out the the message. Catherine? Hello, PJ. How are you? In I'm this... not Say hello to your daughter. Hello, Katie. Hi. <laughs> you must be very proud of a daughter on the front line in these difficult times. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Never complains. Tell me a bit about her. She's she just loves going to work and helping people, and there's no complaints. She always smiles on her face, yeah. even the good days and the bad days. Yeah. Well, I don't know when you'll get in from Mill Street, but when you do, uh, you'll be headed for Douglas Court with a hundred euro voucher to spend. Excellent. I'm sure I'll bring her with me. I do. Oh, God, you can't leave her behind. You no. can't leave her behind. All right, to the Mill Street, the Mill Street Connection. Thank you very much. Katie O'Callaghan and Catherine 
Callaghan, mother and daughter. More of these vouchers uh, during the day. Show some Mother's Day love with gifts from Douglas Court Shopping Centre. Listen and win across the day on Cork's 96 FM. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We leave you with Maroon 5. Have a good weekend. Take pleasure from little things. And we'll see you Monday just after nine. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.